0: hello and welcome to the mental health gaming podcast once again i'm bradley and unbeknownst to me and as a bit of a shock in a joint statement released earlier this week Stu, along with mark kermode simon mayo adam buxton joe cornish and peter crouch decided they was going to break away and create a super podcast i've had words They've reversed their decision, so he's back with us today. Stu, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, not too bad. Um, I haven't quite, quite got the reach or height of Peter Crouch, but I've probably got reasonable knowledge of the uh, the film world, uh, so I could do that bit of it. But then again, Adam and uh, what was Adam, it again? Adam and yeah. Joe. You see, I'm reaching here because I I haven't I haven't heard this news. What was this news? <laughs> Uh, what the European Super League
0: in football? Oh uh, right, oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah, right. you're the Tottenham. You're the Tottenham of nobody wants to be Spurs. <laughs> you've not won. You've not won. You've not won anything. Um, <laughs> no one really cares. But for some reason, you're there. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: um, that sums up my life, to be fair.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyway, that's. Um, Been yeah, a well-wind week in sport and it's somehow dominated all the news whilst you've had the George Floyd murder trial going. Not the George Floyd, the Derek Chauvin murder trial. Let's make sure that that's done correctly. More COVID stuff going on. Football's dominated the headlines. FIFA's a football game. It's also a video game. So what have you been playing, Stu?
1: Oh what a smooth segue, that was excellent. Oh, uh, I've been playing <laughs> I've been playing on my <clears throat> my delightful new uh Switch Lite, And I really like it. It's really nice. Um I love the idea of the Switch and I love the form factor, but I like the light even more than I did the original one. Ah, I think. So you- uh.
0: Yeah. This brings me straight to an immediate question and something kind of like you've always noticed with Nintendo hardware uh, on their handheld side. The first iteration, apart from the Game Boy, because it's iconic, but the first iteration, when you look back, always looks a bit, ugh, it's a bit. Ugly or it's not very good, such as like the the Game Boy Advance was improved on drastically. Um, the D the original DS, just you can't believe someone actually sat and designed the original DS. Uh, they just generally improve on it. But for me, I've never. I don't think I've yet looked at the Switch Lite and gone, oh yeah, I've got to have that over a Switch. So, but so, but does it feel better? Someone who's had a Switch,
1: I'm not sure if better. Um, I, I prefer. I think partly because of the weight it it lives up to its name, you know, it is much lighter which does make a big difference when you when you're holding it for significant gameplay sessions you know, so I like that but I, I did like the regular Switch and I think because it wasn't like the first first iteration of that design because the first iteration of that design was the ridiculous tablet for the Wii U <laughs> which yeah. was which I also had and I I kind of liked but it was just it was bananas you know it was like yeah a Fisher-Price thing and uh it just clunky and it was horrible really but I defended it um, but yeah no the light is is it, it's clearly not as good in that it doesn't have the rumble And it's not just that it doesn't have HD rumble, it doesn't have any rumble. Yeah. And that is a bit of a drawback, you know, you can't really get around that. But other than that, the screen is still really nice. I'm not sure if it's quite as good, but only by a small amount. But you get much more of a, oh yeah, this is a mobile phone screen vibe from it you know what i mean
0: yeah one 100 percent. yeah and it it doesn't strike yeah. me as when i've looked at looked at the screen before and i say i've not actually physically played one properly but yes i suppose there's differences but i don't think it's enough that i personally would care about the slight loss in quality
1: no, definitely not enough. No, you really only have to have owned both before you'd make notice any difference. And it, it's not as big a difference between uh, the original Vita with the OLED and and then the the subsequent one. So it's nowhere near that level. Yeah, you know, that level of change. So yeah, no, it's it's great. I, I really like it. Uh, but that's not answering your question, which is what have I actually been playing on it. Yes. So I uh, I was playing. I've been playing Streets of Rage four. For a very good reason that... Well, a few good reasons. One, I haven't played it since they, they did a rebalance patch on it. Hmm. So I wanted to dive back in anyway. Two, I've never played it on the Switch. I've always played it on my PC with a joystick. And three, uh, I bought the the Switch Signature Edition. Because I don't, don't really buy physical games anymore. Like, I might get one or two a year. And they tend to be, you know stuff i've picked up for a fiver off ebay but the odd one i'll i'll really throw me money at because i want the developers to get the cash so yeah no i thought oh well you know game pass means they're getting very little from this yeah because that's what i was playing it on so i thought yeah i'll get the signature edition then i've got a copy for good and um yeah so i just got my new switch i was like oh yeah slap that in so been loving that i love that game it was one of my games of the year Last year, and uh, yeah, just fantastic. So, were you much of a fan of Streets of Rage Four? Did you have much of a go on it? <laughs> so,
0: I've played a little bit of it via Game Pass on PC, and yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, but it was—I <laughs> always feel bad that I've done this. It was one I wanted to play instead on the Switch, but now I'm struggling with my vision to see properly on the small Switch screen. That I now just want to play it again on the full TV or, you know, on the monitor so I can play it properly. But I've got such a backlog, I can't go back to it. Um, but I'm very tempted to give it a full playthrough before the new Turtles game
1: comes out. Yeah, that's a, a real... I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, excellent stuff. Yeah, well, before I talk about the next one I've been playing, what about you? Have you been able to see, any, see enough to play this week? Hey,
0: Yeah, I have, actually. And I've played a game that pretty much covers why I love the indie game circuit at the moment and why it's so important to games. But I've been playing a game that you control using your eyes. Um, and it's called, it's called Before Your Eyes. And it's just a really interesting concept. So I'm glad I'm talking about this on the podcast and not writing about it because I want to convey... What, how much I love this game, but without ruining the experience for anyone. And I feel that when you write about a game, you kind of almost have to give a, what, a bit away about it. Um, but I don't want to do, yeah. do that. All I will say is it's a, a narrative-driven um, adventure type game, first-person adventure type game. And it's got a really interesting story. And it's emotional in all the right places. It can be funny at times. It can be really sad at other times. And it, it just kind of brings it together really, really well. But the idea is it, you're, you're someone who's having an event happen and they're looking back on their entire life. So it's almost like the life is flashing before their eyes, um, except not flashing. It's obviously t- it takes a good couple of hours, to play, a few hours to play through. And the idea is to advance time. You can use your webcam, you set up eye tracking with your webcam right. and basically it tracks what you're looking at, how you're moving your head and you use that to look around the space you're in. And then you'll get little prompts come up that say, Hey, blink now and we, we'll do something. So you blink and then you get to perform an action and you kind of blink at other times and it advances the story. And it's just, just such a really interesting concept. I mean, it's flawed. It's not perfect, Um, There are some. There was a couple of times where it kind of lost what I was doing, and I couldn't get focused on the right parts. That might be because I've not got the best webcam. I've got like a cheap eBay third-party out of China job webcam, so that might have been it. Um, However, my suggestion would be: a lot of people these days probably have these cheap third-party webcams. Um, or they've got laptop webcam. So it's kind of the sort of, thing I've got to say, aim at the developers that the, the technology doesn't work as well as it needs to all the time to get the best effect out of the game. But that being said what it does do and what makes me forgive it is just the emotional gut punches that are there the beautiful moments and it's just again it's just an excellent concept and they've tried something new and i'm just so impressed that they've done it
1: yeah that's fascinating i i know that they're trying to do stuff like that in in vr which would probably make it a lot easier Mm. as you can have just even a sort of fairly crappy webcam but really, really close to the eyes yeah. um, to make it easier for it to pick up uh, specific movements, and also obviously your head movement then will can feed into it as well. So I think it, yeah, it, it's something that I'm I'm really hopeful will, will work almost flawlessly in future and, and add some real new experiences.
0: Yeah, and it's what's really good is even though it's like it's a game that's built around using a webcam and making you sort of like blink to do. I mean, you can play the whole game without touching a keyboard or anything like that, but you can turn on an option to use mouse and keyboard as well. So it's good that it's there. But anyone who does try this game, honestly, don't do it for mouse and keyboard. Get the find the way to do it. It'd be interesting to see that game done with almost with it's a sort of game a connect would have been ideal for
1: yeah
0: or you know the playstation camera things like that and i don't know i can't remember if the switch itself has a uh, a front-facing camera on it i don't i can't remember if it does anyway i don't think it does but you know that would be that's a shame because again i think it would have been a really lovely personal experience on the switch but no it's pc only at the moment using the webcam and yeah utter flawed bit of genius i would say give it a go if you get a chance give it a go
1: yeah you take that over you know a boring Walking around the same track over and over again, type of game, any any day of the month.
0: I take it over Destiny Two, uh, <laughs> Anthem, Avengers, Fortnite, yeah. Ubisoft game six hundred and seventy four. Any of those because okay, it's it's got one, it's got one premise, It's got it's a one note game, but they they've committed to it, and that's what's beautiful about it. And it's beautiful about the indie scene is they've committed to this one thing and gone. This is what we're gonna do, and if I don't want, I don't want to criticize them and say they've missed the mark. But for the little moments where it doesn't quite work perfectly, you can forgive that because it's, you yeah. you understand it's not a massive budget; it's not cost them however many millions of dollars to make and still been a buggy piece of crap. It's probably cost them a fraction. Well, it has cost them a fraction of that clearly, and it's a lot less buggy than some major games. And again, it's it feels different it feels innovative using technology most people have to hand in some fashion but yeah definitely give 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 it a go give it a play before your eyes absolutely brilliant
1: cool no i will do that yeah yeah the other one i've been playing on the switch was as promised and it was the first game that i played uh is ghosts and goblins resurrection and yeah god that's a hard one geez that's just totally kicking my my rear end <laughs> From you know one end of the graveyard to the next, uh, yeah, it's it's really good. Um, because I can't get very far, I can't say whether it's a, a fantastic game or like rank it in the series yet. Yeah, but it's uh, I I really love the look of it. You know, a lot of people were divided, but when you get it in hand and start playing, it's got a level of detail to it that's just really really pleasant and. It's got its own aesthetics. I Managed to carve something out from a very crowded market, I think, and make it stay in, in tone and keeping with the others, but to have its own style. And it always, in the past, those those games were very kind of exaggerated, cartoony, and it's less exaggerated now, and it it does add a different dimension to it. Yeah, I, I really quite like that. But the the best thing about it seems to be that it has <coughs> has an upgrade tree. Well, it's a literal tree, and uh, nice. It's, yeah, it's got like little things hanging off it that you uh, unlock, and it, you can unlock abilities. And that's not something that has ever been in the series before, not to my knowledge, anyway. Um, because you have to like find hidden things in the levels, and that gives you uh, it gives you like uh, points that you can use um, to get these upgrades but there are only so many per level, so I've done an up- one upgrade, which is to get the the lightning blast that you do, I think was first in, you know, ghouls and ghosts, or was it just super ghouls and ghosts? But anyway, one or the other, and uh, yeah, it's really good, very handy, but it looks like you can level that up further as well, so it's got a good skill tree, but obviously I haven't got the skill to unlock the skill tree yet, um, and it's there, I, I would say, and I'm certainly not, Going to do a whole workman blaming his tools thing, but I would be, a, I would, I know I would be like three or four times better at the game if I was using a joystick rather than the switch pad, you know. Yeah. So that is a factor, but you know, like I am also a, a little bit duff, so that's fair enough as well. Oh, but is, yeah, no, it's it's just really good. This, see, this is good where game. you've
0: missed a trick with the switch light, you see, because yeah. I'm fairly sure you can buy. Uh, arcade sticks for the for the switch that are compatible with the switch but obviously you'd need it in tv mode or desktop mode to be able to use it um, well
1: fun- yeah funnily enough i have that stick <laughs> but it <laughs> i use it for pc <laughs> that was always like kind of my intention when i bought it it's like i I could connect it to my old Switch, but yeah, mainly for the PC. So it's ironic that I have a Switch Lite, and now that that will never be used for that ever again.
0: You have the tools, you just can't use them. That's correct. Um, Again, summary of my life. I'm surprised no one's yet been able to hack the Switch Lite to be able to work on a TV in some way. I still find that amazing that that can't be done in some fashion. Um, Yeah,
1: um, it will be. It will be. I think it's just, you know, it's it's because the security for it's not been cracked yet um, and you'll need to have custom firmware on it to do that, but they will eventually,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, Ghosts and Goblins and Ghouls and Ghosts, I can never remember which one I played when I was younger. I might have played both. Can't remember. Remember enjoying them. Now, I keep hearing people talk about how difficult that game is, those games are. I don't remember them being difficult. I'm not trying to claim I'm some kind of mega gamer or anything like that, or I could speed run anything. I just don't remember ever getting frustrated with it or going, oh, this is like really hard. So right. I don't know if it is just me that, that is that or whether it's like other people are just remembering it differently, but I seem to be in the minority with that one.
1: What, what did you play it on?
0: Uh, I'm going to say a SNES. Hmm.
1: Well, Super goals and Ghosts on the SNES is... W- probably the hardest one mm. well, I don't know now because they're all so bloody hard that it's hard to differentiate um, but it is hard, but I mean, the arcade versions of, you see, if you played some of the home releases of like Ghosts and Goblins, mm-hmm. they'll have been easier because they had fewer sprites on screen because it couldn't push all those sprites around Yeah. but one of the reason why people say it's hard the games are so hard is because they are very cheeky in that they have hidden traps. They have things hit you off screen. They have things spawn on top of you, spawn underneath you. They Like every coin goblin trick in the book. Ah, goblin. Coin goblin. <laughs> no pun intended or all puns intended. Um, trick in the book to uh, to mess you around and take your cash off you. Mm. Um, and they were really cheeky and that, it was so annoying. Uh, And the kind of later games were less like that They were just like classically hard As opposed to unfair But there's loads of cheeky tricks in this one Mostly stuff just spawning on top of you And there's absolutely nothing you can do about that And that is a a very nasty little ploy But I I kind of, part of me just like claps my hands You know, a little golf clap For for him having the audacity to do it (laughs) Yeah
0: I might have to go back I might have to um stick it on an emulator and go back and see how I feel yeah um see if I've still got the patience for it but yeah no it's um yeah definitely one of those games I remember enjoying uh, as a as a as a kid and yeah we'll definitely wouldn't mind revisiting uh, I'm gonna say actually I didn't actually realize the being uh released on the switch so that that's that's one that's news to me so I'm gonna dig that out
1: oh right oh what the new one yeah Ah, right, okay, yeah, so it's an entirely new game. Hmm. Um, uh, it has themes and level elements from the previous games, but it, it's it's not, you know, um, it's not just a rehash, and it's got the original designer working on it, well, ha- having built it, you know, worked on it. Nice. So, um, yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, and that, that's really kind of it for what I've had a chance to play this week.
0: So, I, I've had... One more I've been playing, but another game I want to give a, a bit of a, a boost to and get people to know about it. So first of all, I've been playing a game called um, Cozy Grove and it's an Animal Crossing like. Um, I think that could become a genre. Animal Crossing. Oh, this would probably be more yeah. an Animal Crossing light, I suppose, When, you, if you know the differences between a like and a light. <laughs> and basically, you you go onto this island and you need to set up there and you meet the local residents and you need to sort of improve your living, like all the things you have and get to know all the residents. And, you know, it's time parties in a, in real time so you'll be able to do stuff one day and you've got to wait for the next day um but what i really like about cozy grove in my early times with it is that it's um designed around playing 20 to 30 minutes a day it's not designed around here's this game mechanic and we're gonna shoehorn it in this 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 tedium of waiting so whereas like with animal crossing you know you go in and you go i want to build a house here and you've got to go okay so you've got to submit your plans for it choose where you want it to go and it takes um x amount of time to go or it will go oh you've done this bit now we will get a museum here and you've got to wait a certain amount of days it doesn't go that far but you do in your potter around for 20 to 30 minutes doing the tasks that you've been given And then you can just do what you want, really, on the island if you want, or you can close it down and go back to it the next day. But whereas with Animal Crossing, you have to almost beat the game to get to the relaxing part, where you're just puttering around the island. With Cozy Grove, it's just from the very first moment, you kind of get into it and you go blah, blah, blah. Calm. And it's it's a really, really, again, neat concept. It looks as though they've looked at Animal Crossing, looked at what's frustrating about it, and kind of smoothed it out just enough. Now, the caveat to that is it's not as good as Animal Crossing, bizarrely. It, it, you can tell Animal Crossing has been around for, for donkey's years and it's been sort of like built on and built on and built upon. And despite some of the Nintendo-isms with Animal Crossing, it's still an amazing, amazing game that stands out on its own. But Cozy Grove, yeah, as an alternative or... I don't want to say as a, like as an alternative actually, but as a companion to that, absolutely... Sp- brilliant Um, and again this is a much smaller team that are making it they don't have the budget and they're still making something that feels as professional as Animal Crossing is but again Animal Crossing is a better game but that's not to take away from from Cozy Grove you know it's like it's like saying that Toy Story 2 is better than you know toy story 3 you know it's a matter of opinion one is better than the you know one of them is better than the other but it doesn't mean the other one's bad or anything so yeah it's, it's really good just not quite animal crossing levels on the whole
1: yeah yeah no it's funny because there's a there's kind of friction in animal crossing I mean, i've not played much of it but there's a friction in that it kind of it knows when to do things that rub you up the wrong way Mm. so that you'll go back to it in a weird way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like it, it keeps you on the hook with Animal Crossing by it being mostly work that's pleasant work. Yeah. But just enough of a... Well yeah, we you know, we're we're still cracking the whip on you a little bit. It is a little bit like the real world of work, you know, so like your job might be kind of, you know, sixty or seventy percent of um you know, being able to to do what you want sort of day to day, uh, within within your tasks and then thirty percent of your boss messing you around. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Animal Crossing is far less than that, but it's still got that 1% or 2% of them of, um, cracking the whip and being complete major buttholes yeah you?
0: <laughs> and the thing with animal crossing is when we got edith her switch and i was doing some account jiggery pokery so she had access to as many games as possible i somehow managed to completely wipe my switch um which isn't a problem for most games Redownload them download the save file but with animal crossing it meant i lost my entire island um, and i'd have to start yeah. again and yeah just the idea of starting all that again from fresh and having to go through that initial gameplay just it, uh, i don't want to do that part again and i would almost feel with animal crossing is look give me a complete offline mode and let me just build a life on this island um i understand i can't do the turnip it, market it. Um, I can't go to other people's islands or have other people to my island because it's offline. Uh, I don't get, you know, maybe some of these special bonuses or anything like. I don't, I get that, but let me have an offline mode where I can just plop houses where I want. I want to just build an island and mess around on the island, and it's yeah that initial I would say 20 to 30 hours you need to play of Animal Crossing is the most frustrating before you get to why people want to play Animal Crossing yeah um, but yeah. Cozy Grove yeah, does a really good job um, I don't think the, I don't think it's going to have the longevity that's, that's the difference I don't think Cozy Grove is going to have the overall longevity but what I'm playing at the moment yeah really really good good stuff and just to give it's a game that's not out um, yeah and it's on Kickstarter at the moment still you might be aware, Stu. Don't know if I've ever said this, but I like a puzzle game.
1: No, mate. Like, no, I never mentioned that.
0: And aside from Tetris, I really like the panel pond games, Tetris Attack, whatever people want to call them. And also like Lumines. That that's quite well known. But there's um, a game coming out called Spirit Swap, and basically it's taken the concept of panel pond Mixed it with a little bit of Lumines, including some really lovely music, and gone, there you go. There's your game. It's as though someone's made a game specifically for me. Um, it's, (laughs) It's on Kickstarter at the moment. It's got, probably at the time this goes out, a couple of weeks left. It's met its goal already. They've got some stretch goals. Really impressed with the launch window they're giving it so they're taking the funds now and they've said october 22 is their goal for getting it released so it's not as if they're trying to get people on and going oh we'll have it out later this year they're being very honest with that with when they'll get it released um i believe it's like there are some working alphas and stuff like that available for it but uh small indie studio game looks absolutely sound um watch the trailer get drawn in by the amazing music that's with it wonderful graphics and yeah just get on that one get on that it's funded already but do check it out and get in early and you've got a nice game in time for christmas of next year
1: so what formats is it going to be i think it's
0: pc only at the moment right but i don't know um i think if it Get, does well enough and i think if it's successful gets enough air um you know uh, signal boosting from people maybe a indie publisher picks it up you know a curve a devolver or something like that maybe they can push it out on consoles down the line but as far as i know it is steam only at the moment
1: cool oh sorry what was it called again spirit swap spirit swap ah very cool nice
0: and I say, with no actual panel upon coming at the moment, I'll take it.
1: I have never played that slash test Tetris Attack. Should never played it.
0: Get it on. You can get the um. Uh, you can get a SNES version. Um. So if you've got an emulator, you can get the SNES version of it. Or if you've got a DS, um, there is a DS version called Planet Puzzle League in Europe. Which is basically panelled upon, but it's um, uh, the European name for it. Give that, just give it a go. It is. I, I absolutely love it. It's not as easy to understand initially as Tetris or Columns or, or Puzzle Fighter or anything like that. It does take a, a little while to get used to get used to the mechanics um, and learning the slight nuances of when to move stuff, when to get it to drop to get chains and, and stuff like that. But once it clicks, it's wonderful.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I no, will Check that out.
0: Uh, and if you want to get an idea of the concept, on. It's available really cheap on Steam, which is a Panel the Pond clone. Um, and I think I've spoke about that before. So, anyway, moving on. We've not checked emails for a bit because we've both been really busy, either with work or blind. We'll get back to emails um, next week. But if you do want to get in touch, then use podcast at mentalhealthgaming.com. And if there is anyone that has got in touch, we promise we'll get to those next week. We'll be more organised. I say, we don't know. Um, lies. Yeah, <laughs> lies. Um, so I want to talk a little bit now about autism in and around gaming. I watched a video recently from... The fascinating, really, really like watching her stuff, uh, Laura K. Dale. Um, And she's got a video series on YouTube called Access Ability, where it looks around, you know, the accessibility for disabled gamers and and other things that surround that as well. And I caught a video the other day um, where she's talking about um, simulator games and autism and how lots of autistic people have, uh, become very obsessed with a subject and uh, uh, it's almost cliche but a lot of autistic people become obsessed with trains especially she said from her experience it's the motion of being on a train um, almost and sort of like that feeling the sounds that come with it when you're on a train and all kinds of things like that really sort of
1: like
0: oh, cool. sorry I, I, thought, I thought I was, wrong, I was wrong, but the sound was was
1: that you being sort of like, oh, I didn't know that. Or no, yeah, no, yeah, no, <laughs> I genuinely didn't. No, it's fascinating.
0: I just yeah, I yeah, kind of thought I'm talking about. Like, oh, that's a weird noise. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, a lot of people say that about me.
0: But yeah, I, I was, I was fascinated. But but then it sort of like struck something about me. I went, ah, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. My son, he he's quite. I don't think he realizes it as such, but he quite likes trains. He finds them a fascinating subject. And when I look back, I was quite interested in trains, but again, such as my self-awareness of being bullied, I was never going to turn around to people and go, oh yeah, I really like trains, because, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, I'd have had even more stuff for people to to mentally abuse me with at school, so I would never admit to that sort of thing. And again, I'm not going down the line of, oh, I'm a train spotter, you know, I want to go and watch trains or anything like that, but... Being on a train is really calming. I actually like being on a train. Anyway, what, what Laura K. Dow started um, speaking about was the simulator games. So train simulator from Dovetail and things like that. And the dangerous pricing model that you get with those games so she was talking specifically about train simulator 21 which is actually just train simulator i want to say 13 i think she said and it's just been built on and built on over the years essentially so it's essentially expansion packs but they've sold it as a separate game each year so she's not got a problem with that and i get that because i think they take the old one out of out of circulation when they bring out the new one and and, and so on um but your base game is you get a small number of tracks and you get a small number of trains. Like it covers most train types, but you get like a single train for each type or two, depending on what, what, what version you get. Um, yeah. But they're all really accurately modelled. I mean, I've played Train Simulator and yeah, they the, the model accuracy in those things is just beyond what my mind can comprehend. But the problem you get with those games is that you have to purchase the trains you want. You have to purchase the tracks you want. And you don't buy a, a say, like a, a UK track network uh, for X pounds. You buy a route. So you would buy, you know, um, London to Southampton or you'd buy Liverpool to Manchester, um, Birmingham to London or, something, or whatever it is, you buy those individual routes um, and then you buy the individual trains to go with them as well and as she points out in a video she gets it because the work that must have to go into making those they can't just give those as free updates yeah they can't charge 79p so they're anywhere between like 15 pounds up to about 35 quid depending on what you get and she said with it that the problem is when you're an autistic gamer and you have an obsession with that pricing model, could, it's not predatory in the way loot boxes are predatory, but for certain, for a subset of people, for autistic people, it does become an issue because, as she said, she really wanted, I think, like the Bournemouth to Southampton route, I think it is, she said, that she used to travel um, for work or, or university or whatever it was. Mm. And um, the idea of being able to see those, tra- those tracks, the stations, that she's seen for years as she used to make that route was just something that really spoke to us so she would spend on that and then the trains you can get for that and all of a sudden the 25 to 30 quid for the base game plus 15 quid for a train plus another 25 quid for a track and then you want a different track that 35 pound very quickly can become 150 quid but spent in those small increments you don't notice it Um, said it's not that it's not value for money but and here's the thing there are over seven hundred pieces of DLC for Train Simulator. Wow! And they she gets again. It's not designed for you to buy every bit of DLC. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's not going to like as a issue you, you should uh, no way be buying every single piece of DLC. Um, it's mainly for you know oh, maybe you want to try out a route in America. You can get that. You can get that route. But with the autism and the obsessiveness that comes with autism, it becomes very, very dangerous that you will go down a route of spiralling. And then she spoke about that it's the same as why she, instead of playing um, real life collectible card games, she actually plays digital versions, especially ones that are self-contained because it stops a spiralling with real life spending and going out and spending money on those things. And it, it got me really thinking about it. Of I, I've always tried to avoid um, things like drinking to excess. I've never taken recreational drugs. And I, 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 I've realised and stopped I won't gamble because I know of the obsessiveness. The, the times before where I've had like a free bet from a promotion, I've given it a go, won some money. And I've had like, say, like 45 quid sitting in the account that I've got for nothing, essentially, and gone and bored, bored, bored. Oh, there's a random horse race, so I'll put that on. Not Again, I'm not saying then I'm a gambling addict, I'm doing it, but just that incessant need of, I've got that money sitting there and I could make that more because I've already made it. Well, I know that's what gambling's designed to do, but with the obsessiveness that I have now realising, you know, I've got, there is ADHD and an element of autism or Asperger's there i get drawn into it and i've lost that and luckily enough i don't have the money to then pump more money into it so but so i now completely will not gamble because i know i could be drawn in Uh, but it then got me thinking about sort of again the the regulations that need to come in for loot boxes and stuff is that It's not just predatory on kids and we focus a lot on the kids with this and it's not just predatory on the addicts, but it is very, very easy. If you are someone who's obsessive by nature to get so drawn into that stuff and when you hear someone talk about how it can be dangerous for a game that's not predatory in nature, then there's so much that can be an issue with games that are predatory in nature and we really do need that regulation to come in soon for this because we need to stop the the gambling side of video games we need to make them more self-contained and i don't want to say i don't know what the answer is but for something like train simulator where you know i don't know do the the quick maths that 700 pieces of dlc at say an average of 15 quid a pop you're looking at a About eighteen hundred pounds potentially to spend out. I think that's right. No, that's that's wrong, isn't it? I've got to add another zero to that. Don't
1: ask me when it comes to money.
0: I need to add another zero to that, don't I? Really, it's it's about eighteen thousand pounds. But where do you draw the line? Because yes, I can't afford eighteen thousand pounds of DLC for Train Simulator, and they need to have something in place that stops someone like me trying to spend that money. But at the same time, if you're a millionaire and you're really into the train simulator games, should there be something in place to stop you just going and chucking 18 grand on everything, which is the equivalent of me spending a couple of quid on a coffee? So I don't know what the answer is, but looking at sort of like the dangers that are there and knowing what I've done, I've sat there at times and looked at games and gone, I could get that DLC. I've not even finished the main game going, I could get that DLC i should get that just in case i I, I don't know what the answer is but it'd be interesting to see the psychology behind it and what can be done to help really protect that subset of gamers
1: yeah yeah i think regulation is really important i think it's the only thing that could ever really be done because i guess i don't know but i guess with like train simulator that it costs a lot to produce yeah. and it's never going to be mass market. It's always going to appeal to a niche. Uh, but the money's there if you put the legwork in to do the development and to, to keep the DLC coming. Um, so because it's niche, it's almost like you know designer clothes and stuff in that they they are going to be expensive. And yeah, the only thing that would stop them going, well, you know... If we can charge a tenner for this route, we can charge fifteen quid for it, and if we can charge fifteen quid for it, we can charge eighteen quid for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that there, there, there's almost no cap on that market because it's not people are not going to wander in and buy your product. It's not going to be like oh a new Call of Duty. Oh yeah, right. Well, they took a fiver off. I have a go, mm. and then you know a, a week down the line they're buying a you know a neon yellow. M16 machine gun <laughs> DLC it's not going to be like that it's obviously going to people who be be people who sort sort that thing out yeah. and um yeah and, and so the only way that you could ever stop it is to regulate it but as we know you know there's a there's there's no desire at the higher echelon's of power to put any limitation or very little limitation on gambling. So, yeah. yeah, yeah but that's that, that's problem. the
0: negative side. Um, there is a really positive side to these games, though. Um, and I, I found it with Microsoft Flight Simulator, with Train Simulator, with City Skylines, with a uh, Two Point Hospital, with Roller Coaster Tycoon, Jurassic World Evolution, any of those simulator or management type games i have always found those even though i've never been good at them at all there's something so relaxing about them that take you away from real life in a, in a totally different way to playing a doom or even playing tetris or anything like that it's a totally different thing and i, I can't explain what it is what it taps into but but it's the idea of being able to one I suppose like with the with the trains for example it's controlling the train or you can just sit in a seat and let it drive itself which is which is something else and just enjoy the journey and with flight simulator you can either make it as of like as complicated as realistic as you want or again almost sort of like just enjoy the journey and having that sort of level of control over a city's skylines Um, And just go. I take all the money, you know, just put in all the cheat codes and have all the money and everything unlocked and what city would I build and being able to live out those those fantasies and, you know, I've often looked back at old cities and the, the patterns I create, there's this weird it's not a symmetry but i look at the balance of it and you can almost see how how my brain's working and what i'm doing it has to be a neatness there has to be lack of chaos within that and those games allow you to do that um and it's like when i look at a bus route in real life and it it doesn't always go from a to b because obviously it's got to do other things to do it and Whenever I'm on a a, a new route or I'm not 100% sure where it's going, I might know where the the final destination is, but I don't know where that route's going. It, It really weirds me out, and I struggle with that. Or oh, if I've got to go somewhere new on public transport, it, it until I've done that a couple of times, I'm so alert and sort of like, right, I've got to make sure I don't miss and I, I will double check everything, make sure I'm not missing the stop and, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I'm assuming I look normal on the bus, but who knows? Um, no one ever sits next to me, so... <laughs> um but like with trains there's something comforting about a train that you can't kind of deviate once you're on your track you're on the track um so it's um have you ever been on london underground
1: oh god yeah yeah Yeah, billions of times yeah Uh, i don't know
0: you're from the northwest so you never know (laughs) you might not have come down to the big smoke
1: um, yeah my sister used to live in London <laughs>
0: um, so most of them most of the lines are fine and I'll I, I get on okay with them either straight you know back to you know, back and forwards and stuff like that but what always gets me every single time is when you get options and you've got a train that might go off um, and finish in one destination on the same line another might go in the other destination and I'll look and see yeah. what's coming I, can't, I, just, I just I can't I struggle with that to a degree because it's like, but that shouldn't do that. It's giving me options on a train. I shouldn't get options on a train. It should just take me to a destination. It, the underground's really confusing. Again, I'm going off track here. <laughs> Pun, not Ironically. Actually, yeah. Um <laughs> But trains are really calming. <laughs> I see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, no I, I totally get that. So... Yeah. If if you have a if you have a problem with con- with that level of control or feeling like there's no control in your life or you're non neurotypical and and that affects you in that way then having that kind of I I like that thing in the train of you can have that level of speed and power and comfort not all the time not by any stretch of the imagination not in the UK but anyway that kind of yeah the speed and the power and the comfort but it's it's you know, always along one track, always to one destination. There's no fear, you can just put that aside and it's it's gonna direct you. Yeah, that, that that's very appealing in, in yeah. a lot of ways. And uh it's why yeah, I like that's the, really cool.
0: It's why I like the circle line as well in London, because if you fall asleep on the circle line, yeah. You just back around anyway, so you can just stay on it if need be.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: uh, <True. laughs> rather than finding yourself sort of like the, uh, the like somewhere in West London and that's where the trains terminate, like ah oh, bugger, now I've got yeah. to work out exactly where I am. You just stay on the Circle Line until you get back round. Lowe's a confident driver, and whenever we drive somewhere, she's more than happy to go. Oh, I'm not happy with the Satnav. nav. We try this way. I'm sure we can go this way, and she'll she'll go and do it. Um, and I'm, i I I no please. The says this. The Satnav says this. We go this way. I want to go this way and she's like no I'll ignore the sat nav the sat nav's crap yet at the same time if we go out and set out we, we've done it before and we've go on the tail we just go for a drive see what we find and stuff like I'm okay with that but if we've got a destination yeah. to go to as soon as there's any deviation that's me I'm done I am absolutely <laughs> done it's the same as I've got to be somewhere early I can't I, I would rather be somewhere like three and a half hours early than risk being ten minutes late um, I yeah. have issues Stu yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah i i kind of got that <laughs> last year <laughs> no i just mess uh no that's really cool and just to just to briefly bring it back to dlc before we yes. finish on it when we're talking about like the quality of it and giving people what they want it it's a great way like when it's done right of keeping that game alive because like a good example is R-Type Final 2 obviously stupid title because can't be final twice um, but like when R-Type Can Final could be final
0: 15 out... times if you square at Square Enix so you know well, that's true
1: <laughs> that's true yeah um, but when R-Type Final came out uh, 15 years ago or more it's kind of like that's it one and done and then it's taken all this time to see something else in the franchise but if they'd had DLC it would have been all over that and it, it Really benefits the developer as well because they don't have to build a new engine. They only have to build new content for the same engine, uh, and they can make a relatively high profit off the the piece of uh, content that they're creating. And everyone's happy. They're getting money, the customers getting it, and it links into the Streets of Rage Four, which is getting some DLC as well. So, hmm. yeah, no, th- all of that's really good. And and you can see when when you latch on to something that you love having having more of it that doesn't exploit you is, is a fantastic thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, actually, very brief, briefly on that, you mentioned about adding DLC. Uh, what has always really surprised me, or oh, they, they've moved it in different directions, I suppose, but um, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the game, but Grand Theft Auto 4 when it had the um, DLC stories within the game world. So you had the Ballad of the Gay Tony and whatever the other ones were. I'm sorry, sure that was Grand Theft Auto 4. I, I, I might be wrong. Um, might have been three? I oh, don't,
1: don't know. know. I, I don't never know. played. Whichever any of them.
0: Whichever one it was, but it kept you in that open world, that same game agent, that same open world and brought those stories in. And I actually looked at it and just went, yeah, yeah, that's it. If you're going to create a big open world and you want to create something that's vast, you could create just loads of little individual stories within that game that you could do as very cheap DLC or even episodic so you could have say the Ballad of Gay Tony could have been a series so you know you pay three pounds and you get part one and then you pay enough £3 get part two. Or you get... That's what you use a season pass for. Um, and you could have, like, the Battle Tony set in GTA 4. You could have another story, you know, released later that year. Set all within... Not, within, not just within that world, but in that same map with using the base game. Um, and... I'm surprised that never happened in that way. I mean, you start getting the events in Fortnite and stuff like that. And we did start getting episodic games. But they were always like, apart from Fortnite, which I think does it fairly well. You look at stuff like Life is Strange, which absolutely fantastic game. But I'm looking forward to playing through all of those again at some point. But they're individual games. They're not set within this same world. And I don't think we've ever sort of like use those open worlds to their full potential yeah i agree which is a shame especially as they get bigger and bigger and bigger i think the witcher came close as well with like blood and wine and stuff like that but yeah we yeah. just never see it to their full potential i'd love to spend time in a portion of um san andreas for example just doing a smaller story not just yeah. more fetch missions to bulk it out but eh, yeah. we'll see maybe maybe further down the line so, yeah, it's, I, I did have a, a longer point with all of this, but uh, as people are aware by now, I have a habit of going off subject a little bit. Um, but, yeah, hopefully autistic gamers, have, they do have what they need out there. And the simulator games, whilst there is some issues with, I suppose, their pricing model, are a great release. And um, um, Laura K. Dale, her whole series of accessibility Go search for it on YouTube, check it out. She covers all of this stuff much, much better than I can. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all I can really say about it for now. So I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to let Stu
1: take over. Yeah, I really f- found that fascinating. That's really great, and I will look up uh, Laura K. Dale and watch some videos. Just that thing of, of what people – the way that things connect with people – um, sometimes when it's outside of your own experience you've got literally no idea that it exists or exists in that form so yeah mm. it's fascinating it's great stuff and uh, yeah on on that subject we have lots of great content that might content that might connect with you so please do look it out we obviously have the website and you can email us at podcast at mental dot com and support us on patreon or coffee if you wish we
0: need money for servers
1: yeah yeah, not for meth, honest. It's, or curtains. It's or c- curtains. Yeah,
0: I, I was asking about curtains on Twitter today, and then when, oh. and then I had a notification going. Oh, bugger! I missed some um, older payments on some um, server costs. So it's like, ah, oh, crap! I need to see if anyone could donate. Just after asking about where I could buy curtains on the cheap, <laughs> I was like, it was nothing to do with that. <laughs> So no, yeah, if you want to help us keep <laughs> uh, keep stuff up with money and just ease the worries a little bit, then, yeah, coffee and Patreon. Absolutely. Or cold hard cash.
1: Yeah, yeah, cash down the G-string always works for me. Oh,
0: I will dance for it, I don't mind.
1: Exactly, I'll do that, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just went off then. <laughs> Ooh, some very bad thoughts. Anyway, <laughs> so, yes, thanks for tuning in. Please do donate towards our uh, Dancing on Stripper Poles fund. Um, And apart from that, have a good week. Stay safe and stay sane.